0: Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Ben Winkler. I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer. And uh, we get the chance this morning to be encouraged by this sermon that Jesus preached to a group of people who sat on a a hillside dreaming of what life could become if they were, were free, if they were broke out of the patterns of life that they were used to living. And here he gives us these words from Matthew 6. So, if you have your Bible, you can flip there. If you're looking at your bulletin, it should be printed there as well. So, chapter Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. God, we thank you that you have given us these words, Lord, that you have not just spoken them as a, as a quaint poem, but Lord, that you have given them because in them we can find you, and in you there is life. God, bind our hearts and our minds to your good word, and help us dare to believe that what you say is really true. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd like to be the first person to wish you a happy National Anxiety Week. Uh, it kind of feels like it's been some sort of twisted holiday, right? Like, we, you know, we all give up our, our normal things that we're anxious and worried about, right? We, we set aside the things that normally are giving us each individually a, a pit in our stomach, right, about the future. And and we all gather around uh, on the first Tuesday of November every four years to stare at at the same screen, right, the same little checker box of red and, and blue boxes, anxious about what the future holds. And, of course, this year we, we even got the bonus, right? We got, like, I guess every 20 years you get the, the extra rounds, right, where it turns into a whole week long of, of pain and anxiety wondering what's at hand. But in all seriousness, like, post-election stress is a real thing, right? Like, there was one study that was done... Um, that found that, that for the, the losers, quote unquote, right, the, the people whose, whose candidate didn't win, the, the week following an election, they rate like their happiness went from here to here. They have a bigger drop in happiness than the people of Boston did following the Boston uh, Marathon bombings of, a few weeks ago right? The 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 stress, the worry about the future, that's what we're going to call anxiety, right? Being overwhelmed at what is about to come, overwhelmed at the future. It's more stressful for a community of people than a terrorist attack on a community space. Normally in a preacher sermon, I spend the first part trying to convince you like, oh, hey, you have a, whatever this scripture is addressing, this is something that's real in your life. You've known this, you've seen this. I'm not sure that I need to do that today. Not after this week, right? We know we're anxious. The problem is what do we do about it? What do we do with the anxiety that we feel? And I'm going to suggest that most of us are going to fall into one of two camps. We're going to either be people who treat anxiety as as a symptom in ourselves, or we're going to be people who treat anxiety as a disease, We're going to be people who either consider anxiety to be a a warning light that, that, that tells us something's off, something in the engine is missing, or we're going to be people who think the light itself is the problem. And so first I want to talk about anxiety as a disease because it changes the way you read this text. If you're like me, an anxious person. A person who, who feels it literally in my stomach when I get upset, a, a, a need to, to get away, a need to escape. You're treating anxiety as a disease, right? To get rid of that feeling, to get rid of that, that, that awful feeling is the goal, right? And then you come to Jesus and he offers you these words. He says, do not be anxious about your life, any of y'all ever seen that old mad tv skit where uh bob newhart is newhart's playing this therapist he's playing a uh psychologist or or something of that line and he he has a, a client who comes in and and she comes in and she says you know doc i i just i live with this constant fear of being buried alive in a box and then and, and it's destroying my life and relationships i can't Now I get into elevators, right? I I start breaking down when, um, I'm in any confined, closed space. And, uh, and he says, oh, okay. So, so have you been experiencing this for a long time? She says, oh yes, 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 yes. He says, now has anyone ever tried to bury you in a box in the ground? She says, oh goodness, no, no, uh, that's never happened. Uh, and he said, okay, then I think I have what I know what can help you. And it's two words, okay? And these are two words that can change your life. And she gets out of the pen and paper, right, to write down these magical words. And he looks at her and he says, stop it. Stop it. She goes, what, what do you mean? It means stop it. Stop it. Stop doing that. You don't want to live your rest of your life worried people are going to bury you in a box, do you? She goes, oh, no. He says, well, stop it. Are you insane? Some of us hear Jesus saying something along the lines, right? We, we come and with our hearts full of anxiety, with our mind racing, and Jesus says, don't be anxious. Put away that anxiety, right? But you read it that way because you think your anxiety is the problem. And so when Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life, what he's doing is he's correcting you. He's reprimanding you. He's saying, stop having those bad feelings. That means you have little faith. And if you're like me, all of a sudden you you were anxious to begin with, but then you get this Christian guilt of being like uh, uh, worried that you're worried, right? You're, you're anxious that you have anxiety. It increases, it compounds. But even if you're here today and, and you're not a believer and, and those words of Jesus are not something that have plagued you, you probably have dealt with your anxiety by uh, trying to get away from it, trying to avoid it because anxiety feels horrible, Right? And so there's two kind of primary ways that we do that. One is we try to satisfy whatever it is that we're worried about, whether it's, it's money or, or, or relationships, right? Whether it's the, the future of our country, right? You try to, to satisfy whatever that thing is, whatever, scratch whatever that itch is, right? And so you ruminate on the problem. And you sat there this week every day, doom-scrolling, New word I learned this week. Never heard this. Doom scrolling, right? Refreshing, refreshing. Wondering about what's to happen because it makes you feel like you have some sort of agency. Like you can somehow scratch that itch, right? You, you overwork, you say, I have a problem. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to fail at work. I'm afraid I'm going to, to get up and look like an idiot when I give a presentation. And so you, you stay there and you work hour after hour after hour because you think I can get away from this anxiety. You do whatever you can to control your environment, right? Whether it's a, a, a rigid schedule or, or, or a meticulous hygiene in the land of COVID, right? You do whatever it is that you think can meet the need that you're anxious about. So you either try to satisfy it or you try to distract yourself from it, right? You tell yourself, well, uh, I feel anxious, but it's really not that big of a deal. You know, really, when it comes down to it, all the politicians are about the same. So that, that need, that, that fear that I have, that's not really true. You're trying to distract yourself from reality, or you go to the other end. You've so catastrophized, right, the need that you're you're stress eating, right? You're you're self medicating, right? You're you're using even like these healthy habits, healthy habits that I'm a, in a few minutes I'm going to commend to you as being godly disciplines. But you use them to try and escape your reality. You say if I if I uh, work out enough, right? If I fix my diet, then I won't feel this feeling anymore, and that's what I desperately want to escape. Right. If I uh, find the right doctor, if I find the right medicine, then my anxiety will go away. And if anxiety is your disease, then all you want is for it to go away. The problem is, is that as Jesus talks, is that he's telling us that neither version is going to work really well. And here's why. You can't distract yourself away from the problem because the thing that you're anxious about, more than likely some portion of it, is true need. The thing that you're anxious about, you can't uh, distract yourself from it because it's gonna keep popping up over and over and over again because you're worried about whether you have clothes or food. You're worried about whether uh, our democracy will continue, right? Those are all rational things to be afraid of. Doesn't he say in verse 32... Your heavenly Father knows that you need all of those things. And you can't satisfy it. You can't satisfy And I, I love you all, so don't take this personally. The reason you can't satisfy your anxiety is because you are woefully incompetent to, uh, to fix the problems that you have, right? You're woefully incompetent, just like me. Your anxiety, as Jesus says in verse 27, can't add a single hour to your life. You can toil and you can spin. You can do what you need to do to to make yourself feel like you'll have enough money for tomorrow, that your family will eat, but yet there's always something that can come in and take it away. You can work and and diligently uh, give of your time to election campaigns and your money to the election campaigns, and you can still lose, right? You're woefully incompetent to meet the need that is in front of you. So if anxiety as a disease doesn't work, if anxiety as a disease uh, is, is not what Jesus has in mind, then what is Jesus trying to say, right? If Jesus isn't barking at us to stop it, if Jesus isn't making us feel bad because we're anxious, what is he trying to say, and I want us to dream that maybe he's doing something else. Maybe he's inviting us to consider that our anxiety is a symptom of something far greater. A couple weeks ago, I uh, was out in our driveway playing basketball with, with my boys, and, and actually my dad was there. And if you've been to our house, you know that our driveway is really narrow. We need to pour some new concrete, okay? And so we have our basketball hoop sandwiched in between our house and, and the next door house, which are really close together. And so uh, when the ball went, went bouncing and, and the two boys sprinted after the ball straight towards the concrete wall of, uh, of our neighbor's house, right? And, and poor Levi went straight head first, smacked up against that concrete brick wall, Right. And and as a parent, you know, the difference between like the uh, I'm frustrated cry and like I think I'm going to die cry. Right. And immediately it was this I'm going to die cry. And so what do I do is I run over and I I pick him up. Right. And immediately when I pick him up, the the blood that's coming from his head starts pouring. I notice the, the blood is coming up all over my shoulder. Some of you are grimacing. I guess you have weak stomachs after all that coffee, right? The, the blood is coming down. And I said these words to him. I said, I said it's okay. Don't worry. Don't worry because daddy's here. Now, why did I say those words, don't worry? Why did I command him to not worry? Was it because I thought that somehow he could control the pain that he felt? Was I saying that the pain that he felt was somehow illegitimate? No. No, I told him, don't worry, daddy's here, because I wanted him to listen to my voice of comfort so that I could walk him through that time of bleeding. I said, don't worry, because I wanted him to let me take care of him. So Jesus here in Matthew 6 tells us, do not be anxious, do not be concerned, do not worry about your life. He's telling us it for a very specific reason, because he wants us to hear the comfort that he's giving us. He wants to redirect our anxiety towards our Heavenly Father. Like, think about it with me for a second. Really think about it after that airplane comes. Think about think about if, if Levi, blading head, crying, five-year-old boy, right? What if when I said, don't worry, daddy's here, he was busy trying to push himself away so that he could wrap a bandage around his head? It wouldn't go well, would it? Or if he was, uh, I'm patting him on the back and I'm saying, don't worry, daddy's here. Let me take a look at it. And he said, no, 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 thanks. I'll, I'll just go into the bathroom. I'll find a mirror. I'll analyze the wound, see if it needs stitches, right? And uh, then I'll be able to take care of myself, right? It's ludicrous. It's silly. It's stupid, So when Jesus tells us, do not worry about your life, he's telling us that because he wants us to see that our heavenly father knows our needs. He hears our cries. He tells us a story that we're uh, like the birds of the air or the lilies of the field. How much more does God care about you? How much more does God care about your hurt? How much more does God care about your Fear. See, God wants us not to dismiss that anxiety, not to try to solve the anxiety ourselves, but to read, allow that anxiety to redirect us towards a Heavenly Father who can actually satisfy our needs. And so when we you and I are in a minute of, of feeling anxious, of feeling afraid, right? I invite you to to almost use this text like a a, a, a prayer guide, if you would. You notice how Jesus lists out these needs, very legitimate, very real concerns, right? What will you eat? What will you wear, right? How will you maintain your life? And he lists them out. In the same way, I, I think Jesus is inviting us to list out what is it that I'm concerned about. But don't just stop there. Consider what he's asking, whose job it is, right? He says, you're worried about what you'll eat, right? But have you considered what God is, has done for even the animals of the ground? See, you're worried about the, the years and the days that are coming, and you can't think that far. You can't control that far. So what you need to do is separate what is your job and what is God's job, right? You need to, to use that anxiety to, 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 to be a warning, right? To be a symptom, a diagnostic that says, hey, there is something in me that is anxious and worried. And that probably means I'm trying to do more of a job than God is. I'm trying to take what's God's responsibility and put it upon myself, right? So talk to your anxiety, but better yet, use your anxiety to talk to God, Consider the, the, the God who gave you the gifts and the abilities. Consider the God who, who loves you enough. Pray through this passage. Ask your, put, lay, write it down. Write down your concerns and then write down how it is that God does it. There's a kind of active rest that gives us redirection. Now the problem here, and this is a little bit of a, of a tangent, right, it's those same those habits that I referred to earlier, the habits of 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 exercise, right? The habits of, of healthy diet, the 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 habits of of taking medication. See the thing that we have to realize about anxiety is is that it, it is a, a a real dynamic that you feel in your body. And so some of you hear what I'm saying about talking to God and you, and you go I I I'm laying on the ground crying out to God but it doesn't seem to do anything. Right? What you need is 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 there is a healthy dynamic in which we use those common grace goods right to open up a conversation. Right? It's like we're trying to pray to God while airplanes are going overhead or we're in the midst of a of a football stadium. If you are one of nearly 20% of us that, that experiences some sort of, you know, clinical anxiety disorder, right? You need uh, those good godly graces of, of medication or, or therapy, right? You need exercise, you need healthy diet, right? That, that clears the noise enough for you to have a conversation with God. But notice that's very different from taking those things as a way to avoid anxiety. You're taking those things to open up a conversation. Because if there's one thing your anxiety will uh, pretty clearly do is is like if you're just drinking 30 cups of coffee a day, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be an anxious person, right? No matter how much you pray, right? If you uh, are watching a horror movie, right? Uh, Every night before you go to bed or, or it's equivalent in like Fox news or MSNBC, right? You're going to have anxiety and you're going to wake up in the night. Sometimes God uses those healthy habits to open up the conversation. All right. That's my aside is now aside. So what we're saying is, is if we treat our anxiety as a symptom, If we treat our anxiety as a a warning light in our car, then it will uh, allow us to take stock, to look at those aspects of our life where we are feeling anxiety. And it probes us to ask the question, God, what can you do? It redirects our anxieties to a God who can actually satisfy them. But finally, it also can redirect your concerns towards the work God has given you. I want you to just read these. I want to just read these uh, last two verses that Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It's really interesting, isn't it? When Jesus tells us, do not be anxious, he doesn't say, but be happy. He doesn't replace our anxiety with another emotion. He replaces our anxiety with a, a, a job, right? A, 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 a task, a work that he has given his people to do. And there's this little phrase that, um, that actually Whitney puts on a lot of her products, and you've probably heard it before, right? But what is mine to do today? Right? There's a sense So when you're anxious, everything inside you wants to withdraw and go inside yourself, right? to, to do whatever tick it is that, that makes you feel better about the world. For me, it's like I want to withdraw and go to sleep. Right? I want to go get away and escape from the trouble, but, but you can't solve anxiety in yourself. You can only solve it when you open yourself to the outside. And so Jesus says the opposite of being anxious, the opposite of being worried uh, about your life is not to feel better, but to use your concern towards the good of God's world, to seek first his kingdom, to, to take those, uh, those feelings, those skills, those experiences, those relationships, those resources, right, to build in your neighborhood, right, uh, uh, systems of truth, of peace, of justice, of love, to, to, to apply those things, not just in general, but to the people who literally live next door, right? To, to take uh, those relationships, the, the, the very functioning of our city, right? God invites us, don't be anxious, don't be concerned yourself with what is going on in your world, but open it up. You see, the only way that that can happen is when we have found security in him, And so I think Jesus is inviting us to take stock of those particular areas of life where you feel anxious and says, what does it look like? If I really, truly felt the security of God, what would it change? If you're anxious about money, what's the the smallest step that you can take? It's probably not hoarding your money. It's probably considering, how can I give just a little of this to care for those who have needs? If you're anxious about your work, what you don't need is to work more and more. Probably what you need to do is to find the security that God cares about your income more than you do. And take a Sabbath. Take a rest to to remember his goodness. If you're worried about your health, then then seek to provide uh, for someone else to get the health care that they need. If you're worried uh, about the politics of that other person, then reach out to them and show them the love of Christ, even perhaps if they're wrong. Right? If you're worried about your kids, if you're worried about your parents, all right, consider those who are outside of you. You have to come outside. Of yourself if anxiety is not going to rule you. See, Jesus' argument here, Jesus' invitation for us here is to realize that he is not blaming us for the fact that our heads are bleeding, right? Jesus comes to this, these people because he knows that they are bleeding, that they are are dreadfully out of step with the kind of security that he can offer them. But he doesn't condemn us for that, but he invites us to something new. Yesterday I had my kids all day long and I had at least two bleeding wounds and at least two bonked heads, right, that required me over and over and over again to pick them up and say, do not worry, don't be afraid, it's okay, daddy's here. And so God, in in his word, invites us over and over and over again, whatever the anxiety is of this moment, that he does not get tired of picking up his bleeding children. He does not blame us for the blood that's pouring down our heads. He invites us to hear his words of comfort. He invites us to allow him to care for our needs because we have a heavenly Father who loves us. Pray with me. God, we thank you that your word comes louder in the times when we need to hear it most. And so, Father, I pray that you would care for people who are scared and lonely, that you would care for people like me who more often than not spend my days trying to care for myself in areas that only you can care for us. Give us your grace. Show us your love. In Jesus' name. Amen.